Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Of anything that I could say to them tonight, what do you want me to say to those people for you tonight? What would you want them to leave these special services and be impacted in a way that will be life-changing in the rest of their years of serving you? I don't have anything profound to say to you. I just felt from his heart dropped into my heart this phrase, tell them, I want more people to know me. I want more people to know me. I know everybody and everything about everybody, but there are people all over the planet that do not know me. And my heart, I believe God is saying, my heart is the heart of an evangelist. And he's at war, he's at war for the souls of men. The satanic forces are trying to deceive and dilute and destroy everybody that they can. This world system is also enticing them to every place but to God. But he said, son, tell them, I want more people to know me. And I need their help. I need their help. I want their help. And Simon Peter gives us a statement relative to the wishes of God and his will and his desire for the human race. And I want to just give that to you tonight in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're just going to read verse 9. As I talk to us about how we can find our place, because when I tell you that the Lord really wants you to become engaged in helping people to know him better, that, uh, that you'll say, where in the world do I fit? How in the world? What can I do? Is there anything that I can do, any place that I can feel? And I just want you to hear the Lord's heart tonight in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Hear the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter revealing some of the heart of God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slightness, but is long-suffering to usward. He is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come. I could just stop it right there, but that all would come, that everybody would come. We know that everybody will not, but this is the real revelation of the heart of God. It's not my heart that any man perish, but that all come to repentance. Now, I want you tonight, as, as I walk through this, it won't take me more than two hours. I want to outlast Doug Small if I can. And then have a few picks at him. But I want you to just, in your mind, as, because 
it's challenging to think that you could actually, in fact, it can become overwhelming to think that you could actually be participating with God to help rescue a never-dying soul from a burning hell. That is an awesome challenge. And to think that you could engage in that, you could participate, you could be a part of that. The question would be, you know, where is my place? And I want to expand our concept of the church tonight to the point that there's a place for everybody and there's something that everybody can do and I'm going to address the challenge of refocusing our praying a little bit. But, but I want you to be thinking about these, th- these three questions tonight as we walk through this. This statement from the heart of God, I want more people to know me. Question number one, where is my place? Where is my place? Do I have a place? Is there a place for me? Where is my place in this harvesting of the greatest harvest of all the history of the human race? The greatest harvest is out there right now to be harvested. What is my place? The second question is, help me, Lord, to feel my place. I don't have to feel the pastor's place or uh, the musician's place. Help me to feel my place. And by that, fulfill my life, the rest of my life, feeling my place, finding my place, feeling my place, and fulfilling my life in my place in the kingdom work of evangelizing lost people. I say to you again tonight, God is in a war for the souls of men. And he loves people so much that what we are about and what God is about really has a lot to do with evangelism has a lot to do with unsaved people. In fact, any vision that God gives this pastor, lost souls will be involved in that vision. He will not just expand visions just to help us enjoy a fellowship as believers and know that we are safely saved so that we don't worry about the woes that are, that are still lost. Any vision that comes from the heart of God will have lost souls involved in it because he is an evangelist at heart. And Peter tells us in this statement that it's not his will that any man perish, but that all come, come, come to the point of repentance. That's the starting place. And so as a church of believers, we do have the awesome opportunity tonight to become a partner with God in the rescue of unsaved people. We have a chance to become a partner with God on behalf of the harvest that is so ripe unto harvest. God will not force us to participate with him. He will, not, he will not draft us into this mission. He, but he, he expects us to be willing. He wants us to become willing and ready and available to be a part, to know that we are workers together with God for the rescue of lost and dying men. I want you to notice that uh, that. Uh, Jesus was giving us an illustration of how important it is. In fact, Jesus, Jesus told us that he had invested a lot in us. In fact, he says that the, the man went back, went to a far country, and he invested his uh, values into the lives of people at different, at different measures. But he says, I made an investment, and I'm expecting some return from your one and only life that you live on planet Earth. 
as my children. I'm expecting to return. You know, here's the way he said it to the, to the people who received some of his vestment. In Matthew 25 and 21 to 23, he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But will you catch the phrase now? Here we are. God has your attention. What's on God's heart? What does God want me to help him do? He wants us to help him get more people to know him as a, as a heavenly father, as a personal savior. He, notice he didn't say, well spoken, sir. He, he didn't give him a grade on his speaking ability. In fact, he didn't even say to him, well planned. Man, you strategized all the details and you put the plan out there. It was a perfect plan. He didn't even comment about the plan that he used to bring about some return. He didn't even say well intention. Oh, I know your heart, brother. I know you wanted to, and I know you wished you could, and, and all of that. But and your intentions were so good. That's not what he said, church. He said to these gentlemen that did it right. He said, "Well done. You did something. There was a return on my investment." And I want to just ask the question tonight: Are we investing in anybody anywhere? with eternal value on our minds relative to their eternal destiny. Now, surely none of us would insult God uh, by simply saying, God, as much as you've done for me, I just didn't have time. I just couldn't find my place. I, I couldn't fit in, didn't feel like I was, I was fitting in with what the church was doing or, or others were doing. And so I, I just did a little bit or nothing at all. I went and hid what you gave me. All the blessings and benedictions of my life, I just invested them in myself and the things that I was interested in and buried the rest of it. And so I really didn't do much at all. Nobody in this house tonight wants to ever face the Lord with that kind of record because to see there's a harvest field all around us and, and there's something we can do to help impact and influence those who are unsaved and who are headed in the wrong direction. In fact, your, your place may be, we're talking about finding our place and, and uh, filling our place. It may start off with uh, our harvest field, may include our children. It may be that the, our harvest field also involves uh, our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren. You know, I became a great-granddaddy. Uh, today, sometime last night, something, uh, you know, all the way from that. Oh, you, you're clapping because I'm old as mud now. A great grand, grandparent. But I want you to know I got a good looking great grandmother back there. That, 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 that is so. But our harvest field, our harvest field, did you know that child was born last night? I want you to know she's already been prayed over today. Feeling and covering her life with prayers and intercessions of the Lord to put his hand of protection over her and, and for her to grow up and to know him in a personal and saving way. So it may be our, our extended family. It may be friends that we know or people in the community. It may be neighbors, people that we know or that we don't even know. But the Lord is saying, I need the people at the Manana First Church. Uh, you've been doing such an excellent job. But I, know, I just want you to know that I need to, 
have more people to know me. Because you know what? I was I said to Regina, I said, now let me just play with your brain a minute. Why didn't the Lord just give us six different saviors in the six largest nations in the world and, and have him to live here on planet Earth so we could go see him and 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 and, and there'd be such a greater outreach, surely. But he didn't do any of that. Only one Savior living in another world and yet still here by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to us tonight, he's saying to you through me tonight, I need your help. There are things you can do that makes a difference in the lives of people. And I'm asking you as a result of the powerful experiences that you've had in the last few days that you will focus on helping me get more people to know me as their Lord. So would you let's just look at that for a little bit. Because, you know, what would you do? Would you be interested if you, if I asked you to become a part of planting the greatest crop ever in your life? Even if you knew there'd have to be others who helped harvest the crop. We, you have the privilege of being a sower of the seed, the gospel seed, so that it's the greatest crop ever sown in the history of the world, knowing that you won't be here to harvest it all. But let me just tell you, there's been some people, those people's 100 years old that started this church right here. They started planting some seed. They're not here. They're in a much better place. But it's because of their seed that, 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 that we are here. Look at what we have here because of the faithfulness of those. Same is true at, at Thunder Swamp 114 years ago. Started off in a school uh, building and, uh, and continued to just faithfully sow seed. And, and there's been other generations that have helped harvest. Would you like to be a part of a planting season uh, and a cultivating season that you know you won't be around to get all of the harvest in, but there'll be others coming behind you and you know that even from the seed that you planted and the crop that became out of it, the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, that others will be harvesting for the Lord souls for all eternity. That's an awesome thing to think about. I can plant a crop that will outlive me and yet others will reap the harvest for me. Now, let, let me ask you a question. Uh, who's going to be the next 15 people that will be drawn to this church? Because you prayed over them or you became a friend to them or you showed them love before they were interested in your prayers or your testimony. You do know people will receive your love before they will your prayers. But you have will leave here tonight committed, sold out, Lord, this is something I can do. I can help plant some seed. I can help sow and water and cultivate. And I can, I can do my part. I have a place in this. I want to feel my place. Help me, Lord, not to stand to the sideline and, and not feel my place. Lord, I want to fulfill the rest of my life sowing seed and helping you to reach out to people that they may know you as their Lord and their Savior. You see, the, the, every healthy, thriving church, Pastor Jeff, this is a thriving church. Every thriving church will have at least five generations of people in it. There will be uh, grandparents. Don't kick them grandparents out. They may live long enough to become great-grandparents. 
You know what I mean, Vern? And I want to tell you something. According to the latest stats that I heard, this generation is going to transfer over $30 trillion to the next generation because they've been so good at making money and investing money. That's going to be the transfer from one generation to the other. Why am I telling you that? It's important that we don't just become a one-generation church, that we, that we don't just become a church for the, the, the senior citizens, but don't you forget those senior citizens will help build the next work that you build for the kingdom of God, and they'll help to invest themselves in what God wants to do with this group of people wherever you worship from. So, so here, here's the thing. You'll, there'll be grandparents, there'll be parents, there'll be children, there'll be grandchildren, there'll be great-grandchildren. Every healthy, thriving church will be reaching out to all generations. When, when I was uh, superintendent and I was visiting one of our churches, at a, it's, it's almost folding its wings, and, and uh, they were needing a pastor and somebody to kind of revive them some. And, and so I, I said, what's the average age of your congregation? And, they said, we were all basically senior people. In fact, she said, let me tell you something happened two or three weeks ago. She said, uh, we had some guests that came to visit with us, and, and the lady had a baby in her arms, and, and, and uh, she said that during the service, the baby started crying. And you'd have thought that would have been offensive, but we, we grandmas, we just looked at each other and started smiling and grinning. She said, and she broke down in tears. She said, that was the first time I've heard a baby cry in our church in a long, long time. Let me, t- <laughs> let me tell you, the Lord wants you reaching out to every generation, to, to grandchildren, to great-grandchildren, to grandparents, and to, to parents. He says, I want all of you to become a part of the sowing of the seed and the planting of the harvest and the harvesting of those people that I so dearly, so dearly want. You know what? He's not asking us to bleed to death on a, on a cross. That's not what he's asking us to invest. I'm not asking you to die on a cross. That's already been done. I'm just asking you to offer this free gift with love and with prayers and, and with focused attention. I'm asking you to offer people that are a part of your circle of influence in your family or in your workplace or, or wherever you know people that, that know you and they know that you know him. They know that you know him and that we just plant that seed of love and dare to believe that the Lord will find a place and a person uh, that, that you will not, you are not assigned to everybody. You will not save and rescue everybody. But I tell you what, there's somebody you can. There's somebody that we can reach out to in love, in the love of Christ and draw them unto us. He's not asking for that. That's already been done. He said, I just need you, your human help. Not in purchasing your salvation, but in sharing it, sharing it. I heard something riding down the road yesterday, I believe it was. A writer was, a speaker was talking, not a preacher either. He was just talking about the condition of things and the vastness of the people that needed the Lord's help. He said, in America, the most blessed nation on the earth. It is also the most addicted nation on the earth and the most incarcerated nation. What he was saying was of our population, 
full of blessing. We've had so many blessings and benedictions, but, but the, the enemy has so robbed and stolen and, and is trying to destroy until there's multitudes that will never see the break of day again in the freedom and liberty of America because the enemy, I tell you, no wonder the Lord is saying, church, I need you to help me rescue the perishing and care for those who are headed in the wrong, in the wrong direction. Let me just share with you something about the church. Um, I'm on my first hour right on. Let me tell you something a lady shared with me just not too long ago. Attends the first church, and I was there in a service, and and she walked up to me. She said, uh, "Brother Whitfield, I need to share something with you that's really deep on my heart." I said, "Share it, ma'am." She's a very godly person. She said, "The other night I was praying and kind of got lost in my prayer." And she said, "In my heart, I saw a long line of people." headed down a dark road and at the end of it was a large blaze of fire. And she said, in my trying to scan the, the size of it, she said, I couldn't, I couldn't see the end of that line. Just a long line of people walking in the dark headed toward a mighty blaze of fire. And she said, the Lord took that vision and said, Hell is enlarging itself, and I need some help. Not to plan redemption, not to do the act of salvation, but to help with the rescue. And she said, the Lord said, my people, my people have got to wake up and start helping the rescue. He said, just preachers alone will not get it done. Just the pastoral staff is not. He said, my people need to wake up and realize that, that they can be influential in, in love and prayer to help people be rescued from that burning blaze. And she said, as she stood there and watched that, she said some Christians came, started walking up to the line and started talking to, what's your name, sir? And, uh, do you know what's at the end of this, this path? And you, there's another way. There's a bright path. There's a bright place, not a burning place, but a bright. And she said in her vision, she said she saw people. Come here, stand with me, sir. We're headed this way toward the fire. Okay? I don't mean to be putting your pastor in the wrong direction here, but uh, here's, here's what she said happened, though. Hold on right there. That's, far, that's close as we want to get. She said somebody came up and talked to him and said, what is your name? And he told, told him your name. Where are you headed? And said, let me tell you, what you where you live here. And had a conversation with him and said, this guy stepped out of line, turned around and started walking with him back the other way. <laughs> back the other. And she said, she said, that kept happening as Christians came and just stalk in love and tenderness and graciousness to people. Do you realize what's at the end of this, this path that you're on? And you're walking in darkness. And, and she said it just was so exciting to see people step out of line and turn around. I bet the devil had to have a nerve pill when, when <laughs> if he became aware of that. But you know what else she said? 
She said, but the other people just said, ha, 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 what a fool, what a fool, what a fool. Just kept on being hopping happy and gay, heading to the fire. These are the people that God is in a war for. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy every one of them. And for them to burn in hell with him, that would be his ultimate. But that's the best way he can get back at God. But I tell you, there's a, there's a group of people at Manhattan, North Carolina, who have been fired up this week, and you're focused on the Lord, and you're saying right now in your heart of hearts, Lord, it's not going to happen without, without my help of rescue. It's not going to. So let me just get to the heart of it and see where is your place? Let, let me just uh, describe for you the church. Uh, see if you recognize this church. The church, well, what is the church? Church is a, ho a house of prayer, isn't it? You can come and talk to God. It's, it's got an altar in it, man. I mean, carpet. Pastor, I don't mean to bug you at all, but I appreciate the way you still use your altar. I would just encourage you folks, find yourself comfortable at God's altar. That's part. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Prayer, communion, fellowship with the Lord. But you know what else it is? It's, it's a house. Of, we, all of us can participate in the praying, can't we? But it's also a house of worship. Man, all of us can do that. I mean, we may let him lead us off, but we're going to take over once he gets us going. And, and we all will magnify and praise and celebrate the Lord's presence in the house. So we all together, we can find our place in worship, can't we? We can find our place in prayer. The house is also a place of interaction with God. I read one study that said 38% of people who go to church on a regular basis said in the questionnaire that they had never felt the touch of God in their lives. They had been in contact with people. They had shaken hands and they had greeted and people, but they had never felt the presence of God. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad tonight that you don't have to just come and, and get a piece of information and tuck it back in your brain and nothing changes and, and you had contact with people, but you didn't have any contact with God? I want you to know that this house, this house is a place where you can interact with God. You can talk to God and He'll whisper to you and it's a place where you can touch God and God will touch you. And we all can celebrate that, can't we? We thank the Lord. We pray Praise the Lord for the house of God. Man, we don't have any trouble rejoicing and getting in touch with God and praying. That's his church. Let me tell you something else as his church. It's also a mission station to this community. It's a lighthouse. It's a mission statement now, a station now. Maybe that's where the Lord, the Lord wants you to get involved in the mission of this church. Amen. The rescue mission of this church. But let me tell you something else it is. This church is a restaurant for feeding hungry hearts who are starving for spiritual reality. Now, now it's, it's, it's not just one, one plate fits all, right? It, it has to be broken up where the, every generation can feel the impact. But this is a feeding place for the hungry souls of men. But not long after I went to Goldsboro and I was praying over the church and I, something dropped in my heart, Lord, I want to see the day when there's a thousand people saved on these grounds every year. A thousand people saved. And it seems so far-fetched. So, uh, but you, you know, 
for the last 20 years. There have been over 1,000 people a year that have given their heart and life to Jesus from all over the state. And now it's going stronger than ever. Pastor Bill is doing such a great job of continuing on. And those people said, let me find a place. There's somewhere I can fit in. I know I have a place. I want to find my place and feel my place and fulfill the rest of my life helping the Lord in his rescue. But when I was, I was, I had a vision, call it what you want to dream of. One night I was just praying and I saw a large cafeteria full of tables and chairs. And people were sitting in every chair. It was full of people. But I looked at them and I saw they were sad and looked kind of starving. And I asked the question, what, what is wrong with this picture? The beautiful place, facilities, beautiful. Nice tables and chairs, but the people seemed so sad. And something inside of me said, look on the table. And I was shocked. There was no food on the tables. Facility nice, chairs nice, people gathered, but no real spiritual food on the table. I tell you what, this is a crowd right here that, that believes in feeding people spiritually. You walk into this place and you sense the presence of the Lord. That's, that may be a part of whether it's teaching the Word of God or, or uh, getting involved in some of the programs. This is where you can find a place and feel that place with your life. Let me tell you something else it is. It's a fueling station for empty people. How many of you know that a lot of this world is empty spiritually? They have no taste for spiritual things. They don't know what's wrong. They just know that they feel like they're riding on empty, living on empty. This is, this is a filling station. You're willing to welcome people whose heart, you, know, you got to have all the people that are hunky-dory in every way and they got a full stomach all the time and, and they're just busting with explosion of excitement. Now, how about the empty people? They don't know how to really feed on the Word and to appreciate it. This is a feeling station as well. Let me tell you something else it is. It's a repair shop for wrecked lives. It's a repair shop for wrecked lives that need to be repaired. Aren't you glad for second chances and third chances? Is this church here only for the, 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 the cars that are running smooth and, and that are, it got everything working right and who, that are shiny and they have the, they have the uh, foxtail on the antennas of, I'm talking about well another day and uh, I had the fender skirts and the dual exhaust and uh, they just uh, people go to Myrtle Beach to see those kind of cars put together. You know what I mean? Where Clark, little Clark, her. is that the only kind of people that can come in the house? How about the guy that's got it messed up? He's wrecked his life, and it looks like to some people he just want to throw it away and trash it. It's no more good. The Lord said, son, tell him that I sent my son and anointed him to preach to the poor, that is the broke, the broke, and the brokenhearted, and the bound, and the blind, and the bruised. 
man, if he's blind, I'm going to have to help him even get through the door. He, he can't help me. I'm going to go. No, no, Jesus said, I came all the way from the glory world. And this was my assignment. This was my pastorate that the, my father assigned to me. He didn't assign to me everybody that was just healthy and, 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 and in good shape in every way. He assigned me to go reach out to the, to the broke and the brokenhearted and the, and the bound and the, and the blind and the bruised. The bruised means they have an internal pain that they're not willing to share with anybody. It's deep inside and it bleeds within their heart. And he says, I've sent my son to bleed on the cross so that he can reach out to that person with a bleeding, broken heart and find rescue and find new life, abundant life, more above all the common life of earth. You, you might could fit in that. Help, help, uh, oh, I know Clark, Clark Harrell could help fix a broken down car. He's going to do that over the swamp. Yeah. That's not just a nice facility for everybody that's got it all together. Find your place. Are you getting a kind of a niche for what your place is? Well, let me just, let me just ask you this. This is a saving station for rescue operations. It's a post office to send good news into a bad news world. You know that. How, much, how many of you know that? You really don't need a whole lot of, uh, of, of news on the TV. I mean, you, unless you're really drinking a lot or something uh, that kind of boosted your, your resistance. A lot of bad news, bad news, bad news, but there's a, there's a good news. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's from heaven and it's being declared in the pulpits all over the world. And the Lord has said, help me get the good news out in a bad news world. There's some good news to be rejoicing about. Good news, Jesus. Good news. Good news. Good news. I'm going to quit. You know what I found out? I found out that ears get tired before tongues do. <laughs> you ever known that happen when you were in some conversations with people and they just kept right on rattling, no, 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 and your ears were just caving in with weariness. And <laughs> that, that may be beginning to creep over on you, but here's what I want us to do tonight. I asked the Lord to f prevent me from making a commitment to anywhere for any service for the rest of my life that it wouldn't make any difference whether I went or not. Because I don't have time left to just go where it's not going to make any difference. And I ask him to just kind of uh, lead and guide my assignments, my invitations, so that he knows that he would be able to do something that would make a difference, a God kind of difference in the rest of our lives. So, Here's what I want us to do tonight. Uh, do they pay you enough to get some music at the end of this <laughs> message? Will it be extra if you play f from when the pastor's not up there? Mm. He picks on me a lot. Don't y'all feel sorry for him? But we be buddies. Here's what I want you to, here's where I want us to start. I want us to start with your prayer life. Let that be the focus. I want 
I want you to be willing. Now, don't play something real nice because that'll make me go long and on and on. Miss some notes and all like that. Just tear it up. And don't, do no, don't do no rock and roll stuff or I'll close it, you know. My, my brains get, I mean, my, my ears get tired of that real quick. Ten seconds or so. Here's what I want you to just make a commitment to the Lord. I came out here to just tell you what I felt in my heart. He wanted me to tell you. He said, tell all of those people. I want more people to know me. And I want their help where they've been placed to find a place to find a place where they can help do it. Feel that place. Get into that place. She asked me a few nights ago with Jones Go. I'm interested in ministry. Do you have a word for me? And we started talking a little bit about God's assignment. She was finding her place. Plans to fill her place and fulfill her life in her place. Doesn't matter what age we are. I want you to commit to me to refocus your prayer life. I'll, I'll be brief with this. I was praying not too long ago. And, you know, we got a pretty big family. There's uh, four kids and 13 grandkids and now a great grandkid and so you know what I found that I could spend most of my prayer time just praying over my family my family and my preacher friends and people I know and one morning during my prayer time I just felt that I was, I was having a com communication with the Lord and it seemed that the Lord said to me you know you spend a lot of your prayer time on your family don't you There's nothing wrong with that, but it just leaves everybody else out. You spend very little time interceding, standing in for unsaved people. But I've got friends all over this nation. I can pray all day and never get out of my friendship circle. He said, I want you to change your prayer focus. Instead of starting at home, I want you to go to the farthest corner of the world. People that you don't know and you'll never meet them here, most of them. Didn't he say to the uttermost parts of the world? We don't have to travel there with physical bodies. We can travel there through the medium of prayer. Go to the ends of the world. And I want you to start praying for the population of the unsaved. Start with the unsaved. They're in worse shape than any. Christian, any believer, anywhere on the planet, the unsaved are in the worship. And that started making some sense with me. And so I had to rearrange my intercessory prayer time. I don't want you to quit thanking the Lord, praising the Lord for all that He does for you every morning, every evening. Just certainly can give Him thanksgiving and praise. But when you get into your intercessory time, if we're not careful, we'll never leave home keep it circled in prayer, covered in prayer. The Lord was saying to me, you're not leading and influencing people in leadership any longer, but you can influence my kingdom 
if you start at the farthest corner and pray your way home. Pray your way home. And I thought that was awesome. That would be a revolution on my prayer life. But then there was another thing that dropped into my heart, and here's where I want you to start with the unsaved. I want you to start with those who will not be here 24 hours from now, and most of them don't even know it. Let your intensity and your urgency reach out to those that are so close to going into eternity, and they're unsaved. Would you spend some time? I, I started thinking, I, I don't want anybody to drop into eternity without somebody praying for them. And I, I prayed, Lord, if there's anybody that nobody else is praying for, I, I lift them up right now. Lord, draw them. Knock on their heart's door. Pull them to yourself. Lord, Get desperate with them. I know you'll not force people into heaven, but Lord, just become powerful with a dream or a vision or, or, or some person coming by and speaking into their lives. Lord, Lord, Lord. I want to stand between you, Father, and the people that will be in eternity before tomorrow night. They need somebody standing in for them. You know what? That can be more powerful than my preaching or leadership, whatever. If we can intercept people. Have you finished that song? Do you, do you know one more? One more. He said one more. <laughs> You'd be amazing. Who's a grandparent here? Holy Wimokey, I've, I've got a lot of friends here. Any great-grandparents here? Bless your heart. My wife would say, bless your heart, bless your heart. You might would be surprised how many great-grandchildren we could help keep out of hell. How many grandchildren? Sunday morning I was filling in at the swamp and preaching in we got word right after the service at my son's church in Pikeville. There was three of our grandchildren, two of our sons, four of our grandchildren in the altar, seeking God, weeping, <laughs> weeping their way. You know how that woman back there, she just almost irritates the Lord with those intercessory prayers. She just keeps piling them on. But you'd be surprised how many children we might be able to keep out of hell. Make it hard for people to go to hell from this zip code because of our intercessory prayer. Abraham said, Lord, if I find five righteous, will you save the cities? And he said, if you find ten righteous people, he started with 50. He said, I'll save two cities of all of the population. I'll save them if you find 50. 40, 30. Did you know there's enough people in this church, in the churches that are represented here? God said to Abraham, I'll save two cities if you 50, if you 40. 
That's pretty powerful, isn't it, folks? It's amazing what getting in touch with the heart of God in our prayer time, how it just makes us a worldwide evangelist right on our knees. Okay, his music has gotten boring, so let's stand. I'm just teasing. I am maturing them in the faith. <laughs> this is a house here tonight that's comfortably filled. How many of you know the Lord? Aren't you glad? <laughs> wow, what a privilege, what an awesome opportunity. Give him praise for it, give him praise. How many of you know somebody that you care a lot about? They don't know him. They don't know him. He may be saying, Pastor Jeff, I need you to help me. I want those people to know him. It's not my will that anybody perish, that anybody be lost. How many of you got some people that you love a lot that doesn't know him? Doesn't know him. We can start there and just reach out, influence this whole county after we have prayed for those in the uttermost places who probably don't have anybody praying for them. I want to ask you to just let's close this series of service tonight around God's altar. You know what? If uh, I'd like to press you a little bit just to show God that you have heard what he said in my heart today and that you want to find your place. I appreciate the guys that helps me park when I come up on the campus. And they, they do it with a smile and a greeting. Hey, would you meet with me around this altar? Don't be afraid of the altar. It's don't, it's, just come as close as you can so we can get as many of our people to, as close as we can tonight. Lord, you see them coming. They're coming down every aisle. They have somebody on their mind, Lord. They have somebody on their heart. They want to find their place at this, at this season in their life. Come on in close, brother. Brother Gerald, just come on in. The Lord's going to bless you. He's not going to hurt you. He'll give you give more room for Get all of his people as we can, as close as we can to the altar. Let me ask you, don't feel stressed to say yes to this. How many of you have felt a fresh tug in your heart? If you haven't found it yet, that you'll find your place in God's plan for this church and the kingdom. You want to find, it's important to you that you know that you're in his, his place, right? How many of you will make a commitment tonight, I'll do my best by the help of God to feel my place? feel my place. <laughs> and when you do that, when you and he meet eye to eye and heart to heart, he'll say, well done. Not well said, not well planned, not well intentioned. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Will you let's make that commitment tonight to the Lord that we're going to pray to the furthermost parts of the world. Pray our way home. Pray our way home. Reaching out to the unsaved, the unsaved population. 
Now our prayers would go to heaven in behalf of the unsaved.